Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here and today talking with Betsy, we're going to dive into what turned out to be a pretty interesting subject. thought it was going to be a brief one, but we dive deep into using a book as a tool to build your business via a team. So two elements to this. First one is how you can actually build the team with a book. Imagine the scenario where um, we use real estate as an example, looking to build a team where staff turnover is relatively high. Agents have got the freedom to move to any brokerage they want. So using a book to set a set a tone, kind of telegraph the values of the organization, really kind of presents yourselves and why people should work with you. So there's a great opportunity there. And we went into a couple more examples broader than that. And then secondly, we looked at using kind of the syndication model. So if you as a business owner have the capability of writing the best possible book, then there's an extended opportunity in being able to or allowing team members to put their name as the author, as the co-author, to really build the relationship and a rapport with customers that they're speaking to. So rather than this being a kind of pure ego play that has just your name on it and it being all about you, how you can really leverage a relationship that they have with their people for the greater good of the business. So super interesting Super interesting call today. Really dived into a lot of great examples. There's a couple of links in the show notes. So head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 94. And there's some links there to some of the things that we refer to. So with that, I will catch you on the other side. Betsy Vaughan. Stuart Bell, how are you? Good, thanks. How's it going? Good. Great day. Great Friday. It is. Another day in paradise. Right. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Lucy's down in Florida at the moment, so I'm trying to kind of sell the paradise thing quite hard because it's cold. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm doing the same thing, let me <laughs> tell you. Don't you want to sit outside some more? She sat out by the pool it's for the audience. She was here yesterday with me, still here today, and she was out by the pool with her, her little laptop and doing her work. And I'm like, wasn't that just nice? <laughs> <laughs> it's very civilized. Right. And she told me, she said, it's 23 degrees in Philadelphia this weekend. And I'm like, it's just, well, it's not going to be, you know. <laughs> right. We're going back on Sunday yeah. and kind of every now and then it's like a doorbell camera on the house. So kind of looking uh, like when the postman, uh, the mailman arrives, postman, it's very British. When the mailman right. arrives, the kind of it, it triggers. So looking at every now and then and haven't yet seen snow on the ground, but it definitely looks cold and leaves mm, off the trees. Yeah. And yeah, look forward to uh wrapping up when we go back (laughs) not quite as nice on a side note lucy had been dying to see an alligator on her business down and finally we saw an alligator yesterday (laughs) and um i said it's not very big it's only you know probably eight or nine feet and she's like what (laughs) (laughs) i spoke to her i got a very excited text at the time with a little alligator emoji (laughs) and then when i talked to her a little bit afterwards she was saying and betsy said it wasn't very big but it was eight (laughs) or nine feet (laughs) so it's all relative yeah Yeah, exactly Exactly. (laughs) yeah so well right before heading up to the chilly north uh, we should do a podcast let's do it what we're going to talk about today i think uh because this came up in conversation in the week so i thought what we talk about is using a book to build teams so there's a couple of different elements to that either using a book yourself to build your team or 
using a book as an amplifier for the members of your team so that uh, obviously your success is dependent on their success so how can we kind of orchestrate or help that success as much as possible and uh, using a book is obviously a great way of doing that and there's a scalability when we start bringing in team dynamic as well so uh, we have talked about this in the past in terms of like syndication books so there's a couple of previous episodes so as you're listening if you want to go a little bit deeper on more of the syndication side of things which is leveraging a book but not necessarily with your own team but with other people then um, i'll put a note uh, i'll put a link in the show notes to i'll find that episode and put a link in the show notes but uh, yeah just search for the syndication episode and there's more on that but yeah this time i thought we'd concentrate on on your own team and and see where we go then sounds good I just realized before we start, I've made a classic podcasting mistake of not getting a, uh, any coffee before we start. So Ooh. we might be uh, constrained, not necessarily by time, but by my voice given out today. <laughs> <laughs> a, um, a blessing for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so we love it. I thought we'd talk about um, team building in, in two ways. So start off, I'll go a bit deeper on that. First way is using a book to build a team now we've talked before there was an episode that we did with um kevin craig where his book that he wrote was initially an internal book he kind of set the um it was kind of like a positioning for their team almost like a state of the nation or a, um here's how we work type book but actually mm-hmm. because the information that he shared there was really this is how we do business ourselves that then expanded into something that he was giving to other people people who knew him as a successful business owner and kind of had that i'd love to buy you a coffee for and talk to you for 10 minutes that type of conversation using that book as a as an extra resource either to um, if you didn't have time to meet people or when meeting people as a kind of something to take away and go a little bit deeper on but the information was was broadly the same and that led into a whole unexpected coaching business and now he's got a pretty successful and big coaching business but where it came from in the first place was here's our organization here's our values here's what's important to us let me write this in a book so that all of our team members that come on board can read this and it really benchmarks the expectations to a certain degree and make sure that everyone's on the same page as far as the the values of the organization go and him as the business owner and and founder and kind of driving thought behind it kind of opens up everyone's um, gives everyone an opportunity to see his perspective when he didn't necessarily get the opportunity to talk to them day by day So we've done a couple of books like this that kind of branches into the legacy book kind of thing, which we've done quite a few of in the past. So that example is where a family member talking about um, kind of like talking about generational wealth setting, but the the family member who's maybe getting towards an age where they're going to pass away at at some point. um, So trying to capture their thoughts and where they came from and using that as a start of a conversation of what they want to do with their money after they're gone. So this idea of setting setting the values in stone, giving the stories to back up where they come from as a team building exercise, I think that's a great opportunity. And 
it's not something that we talk about very much because we're Mm-mm. often talking about sales and lead generation, but as an exercise to really get the boat moving on the uh, on the team building side, I think it's a great way of introducing that conversation, and then obviously you can go from there. Absolutely, I agree with that. I was thinking about one of the books that we did. It might have been Ron Egypt Egypt Egypt's book, and the way that he, it's a legacy book, but the things that he talks about in that book, the stories are great. I mean, just from, you know, just learning about someone, but the thing, the stories that he shares, there's so much that not just, you know, and he wrote that book specifically for his family, but it became something when I was reading some of the stories, there's so many lessons in there, you know, right. that, and so much advice that, you know, and, and that wasn't necessarily this, his purpose, but that's how it came across. Like if you're really reading something and, and seeing what he's saying between the lines, like you really take away so much from, from those books. And um, you can imagine how that amplifies. So reading it as an outsider, I mean, the extent of our relationship what with him was just going through the process as a, as a client right. really but imagine reading that as a family member and how close and personal those stories yeah. are and the opportunity to on the legacy side of things we do quite a lot of these projects and it's exceptionally valuable for kind of the wealth management community right. um, and if actually if anyone's listening to uh, if as you're listening if you are in that space the wealth management space and kind of that generational transference then uh, then reach out hit, just hit reply because we've got another project um that we've done some work on but we're going to push a little bit more in 2020 for the legacy book side of things so this is specifically looking at people who are doing wealth planning but the clients have a challenge um, doing the wealth planning is difficult enough sometimes, but then one of the major challenges is being able to have that conversation with the people who are left behind the in, the inheritors. Right. So using a book as a way to start that conversation, um, because very oftentimes it's you can do all of this work, but when it actually comes to sharing the details with the family, that's when problems start. Mm-hmm. So and that's using, exactly I think with that book for, for sure, like that just this, the way he was t- telling things like there was so much so much value to that so if ever the, the family members forget some of the things or right. you know or um, why it's, it's been there, done why exactly yeah. there's, there's that reference point because you can't always remember every single thing that you know your father or grandfather or mother told you you know and to have that you know and from a business standpoint not just the, the fun stories of of grandpa you know back in the day right. it was, you know it's just there's so much so much value Which even there. just itself it, the, the i've seen quite a few ads in the last year for a service whose name escapes me at the moment um ah it might come back if it does i'll stick in the show notes okay. um but it was a service where almost like um so everyone buys ancestry it's a there's a gift mm-hmm. <laughs> the gift to give mm-hmm. which um mm-hmm. is uh, my kind of data protection and uh, uh-huh. security radar goes off about any service that mass sure. collects everyone's DNA. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. not, the guy couldn't possibly imagine a problem with that scenario. Um, but anyway, so that... Um, you sound like my 23-year-old daughter. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what, Because somebody gave me one of those for Christmas. 
and yeah. um, so I, I knew that I and as I started it. that <laughs> I remember <laughs> you saying at Christmas when we were talking again I kind of resisted from saying it then and I'd forgotten yeah. that you'd got one so it wasn't a uh, right. it was no coded underlying message of, it wasn't uh, like uh, don't do it Betsy <laughs> no no, <laughs> yeah, no. It's a, yeah it's the, sitting there <laughs> right you know. the funny thing is the uh like for every kind of uh ancestry um not ancestry what's uh um what's the name of the 23 and me sorry yeah uh, mm-hmm. for every one of those ads that i see it's almost like within the next 24 hours i hear another story about someone who was got the gift for thanksgiving but then by christmas was in a divorce situation because some weird paternity thing flagged <laughs> up and oh, unknown relatives are knocking on the door <laughs> oh you know that's um, true yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um we went off on a bit of a tangent there. So oh what I was going to say was this other service, which, again, so there's definitely, so Ancestry, 23 and Me, there's definitely a movement out there of people wanting to grab hold of their roots. And I'm guessing it's something mm-hmm. to do with the kind of sociologically we're moving away from storytelling individually with people. So because you'd never spend time with, with grandparents to get those stories. Everyone's yeah. heading their phones and never visits anyone. So we're right. trying to kind of plug that underlying human need with technology. So I don't actually want to make time to hear all of these stories necessarily, but it would be good if there was a service that captured it for me so that maybe when I get around to it, I could listen to it. So this other service is, again, something that you would buy for someone else, but there's a series of 10 to 15 questions that they've got the relative will just dial into the service and record the answers and then those answers will get transcribed and it gets turned into a book and they've got an opportunity to upload some pictures and it just turns into a bit of a more um thoughtful picture book of their life so the legacy book is very much similar not only is there a job of work it can do by starting a conversation but it's also a way to capture those stories which family members with the best intentions might not get around to do um, very different motivations whether you're actually going into it for job one or job two so be mindful of that but there is definitely a secondary benefit um, even if you were going into it from a driven by a wealth management desire but still opportunity to share the stories um, jumping back to the team building and the work side of things then the same goes although it obviously a different dynamic people aren't quite as close to their job as are to their family in most cases but it's definitely the amount of time the second biggest amount of time that you spend anywhere is at work and people do get very um, connected with the organization particularly when they're smaller organizations and a more mm-hmm. personal touch so for a business owner to be able to share the purpose and why we do what we do not only does it kind of make that connection with the employees but it does allow you to kind of steer the conversation a little bit in in the direction that you want so yeah, yeah it, it's you know, super I was interesting. thinking about we did a book and i cannot for the life of me remember who it was for but it was strictly an internal book and it wasn't a large business but it was it was almost like I, i'm not even near my computer so i can't even go searching for it on the gallery but um they did this book as sort of a an employee handbook but it was more of a this happened this is how we solved the problem there was a lot of those kind of stories in there and i thought boy wouldn't that be a great employee handbook you know to yeah it wouldn't just be this typical like show up at work at eight o'clock and leave at five it would not be that <laughs> right. boring it was all about their culture oh it's gonna kill was me. it the uk um, one 
Oh, uh, the no. guys who are in the parks in the UK. No, I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think about couple. this and look at it. Yeah, yeah. The other one that springs to mind, obviously, because we're close to Robin, is Robin Estevez's stories yeah. from How oh, Cancer. Yeah, that's a great book. And the, the level of detail. So they own um, what's bigger grocery than a, stores. Oh. Yeah, grocery stores. I was going to say what's bigger than a convenience store, but yeah, grocery yeah, stores. Grocery store, yeah. As part of a larger franchise, but across the family, they've got uh, they've got quite a few stores all around New York yeah. and Jersey and up in up in that area. Right. So that was very much done as an internal book and a book for their customers that they were closest to because they're very mm-hmm. much. I think they're food town stores is the name of the the. Uh, yeah, brand yeah, yeah. Um, but there you very much Robin's very front and center in the store he's very much got this family mm-hmm. grocer persona and, and engages with people individually so not only was that used for their team members but also for their customers as well customers, yeah. particularly those ones that they were they were closest to so this idea of not just using a book for lead generation, but using it to serve another purpose and to start another conversation and to feel, make people feel or give people the opportunity to feel included and involved in the story is um, there's so many individual opportunities that come from it. Absolutely, yeah. The other area of team building is then to build the team in the first place so we talk as i mentioned a lot about lead generation from the customer side but really lead generation from an employee side is very valuable in a number of organizations as well so obviously if you've only got one or two staff then writing a book to find a a third member of staff probably isn't worthwhile if that was your only purpose for it but in a large organization an organization where it's competitive an organization where the kind of story of your company is as much as important as the thing that you actually do so i'm thinking about any kind of movement or um companies that have set up very much around principles not necessarily so much around product um a lot of times that's just used as, as kind of like a a lever to get some news traction but there are quite a lot of organizations that really start out as uh, as mission driven companies and then and then the product kind of comes from it um the other element as well is even if it's not doesn't make sense to write the books individually or specifically just for talent acquisition then keeping that in mind as a secondary purpose is is very valuable as well so Mm. whether the book is focused on culture and why it's why your organization is different both in a way that it deals with customers and employees or whether it's talking about the unique um unique tools or approaches or or products you've got and that's why this is the place to work or this is the place to be a customer of then all of those all of those elements can contribute towards that team building the ones that particularly spring to mind are the likes of real estate teams where there is that's probably the biggest model i can think of so this idea of independent contractors being brought together under the banner of an organization or an association mm-hmm. i can't think of many other businesses where it's no. that's quite such the common way of working right. not to that degree for sure yeah no 
So when you think about real estate agents or broker um, real estate teams, having it's not uncommon to have teams of 100 plus people mm-hmm. in a workforce that can go anywhere. Once someone's licensed and has experience, they become more desirable. It can get into a numbers game where people are just thinking about, well, can I get a better deal over here versus over there? Writing the book about why ABC Realty Team is the place to both be a member of the team and a customer of the team can have that dual purpose of really making that case for why agents would want to come to work for you because of these values and why customers would want to work for you, have it as part of the listing or or, um, buyer's package that you give to people to onboard them in the first place. It's another, I don't think many people are doing it either. I think that's another reason why it's it's such a interesting approach because no one else is really doing it. Everyone else is concentrating on the numbers or they've got a right, way right. of recruiting. But I think yeah. you hear that lingo in the real estate world a lot. Like, you know, our culture, our family can be a part of the XYZ. You know, there's that whole, but then I always, I am always curious. And I do think, I think one of the bigger ones, um, I remember my mother was associated. She owned part of a real estate company in Citrus County um, here in Florida and um, the Keller Williams culture, you know, and I I think there's a, there's a great book out there that talks all about the, um, I remember seeing it, maybe she had on her desk or or in her library or something, um, but talks about their culture. And that really is so, I mean, across the board, if not real estate, but just learning about, the company, the, you know, how they got to where they are, how they, I think knowing that stuff as somebody who's new coming on board, like it's so beneficial, you know, yeah. or even before you come on board, sort of that onboarding process, you know? Yeah. That's a book that Gary Keller wrote, the millionaire real estate agent. Yes. It's kind of that founding principle mm-hmm. that goes wider than their organization, but it definitely puts mm-hmm. like at the, at the corporate level, it definitely sets a tone and Keller Williams's major events are called family reunions. So they're definitely yeah. organizationally in that direction. But you can imagine going down to the individual brokerage teams and kind of following that through and really talking about the culture of the organization and using it as a, just using it for team building, how, talking about the culture and the values and what you can expect and why we're different and why it makes why you should come and work for us because that turnover is so much talking to people in that space around the bigger teams that turnover is so high relative yeah. to other industries that i think that's the one space where it really does make sense to write specifically for that purpose whereas yeah. for a lot of other organizations probably makes a little bit more sense that maybe have a dual purpose of uh of talking about talking about it in the context of employees but but uh, but clients as well um, so that was that was those two examples. So that's building the team, um, using a book to build the team. So using it as an attractor to bring people towards the organization. The second way of thinking about that I mentioned before was using the books to kind of allow the team to leverage their sales activity. So not a syndication book in the sense of going out of the organization, but kind of syndicating it within the organization. So a book's often kind of like a, a vanity play. Um, 
too many times people think about it as getting their name on the billboard or being able to say that they're an author, which we've talked lots of times before. There's plenty of reasons why there are benefits to that. It just shouldn't be the main focus. If you can have a more specific way of using the book, the more direct marketing response type approach rather than just a kind of uh, brand building type approach, then you get all of the benefits of being specific, but also there's a kind of side benefits and um, all of the side benefits that kind of the brand element brings. So imagine a scenario where you as the business owner write the book which is the most valuable to the customers because you're the most engaged you're the person that knows it the best you've been around for the longest time you've got the authority to go and collect all of this information and then writing a book that serves all of the the needs of the book blueprint scorecard that we've talked about before so it's the best book because you're talking to a single target market you've got a title that resonates and gets people to raise their hand the subheading kind of amplifies the the emotion underneath the title. You've got the call to action. You know very clearly where you want people to go to next. And the outline clearly takes them from the title to that next minimum viable commitment, next step. So all of these things, as the business owner, you can write the best version of that. Now, if you just had your name on it, that's fantastic. But it doesn't allow the the sales team, the people who are out there dealing with the customers face-to-face, it doesn't give them any authority. Yes, there's an element of, hey, here's a copy of our organization's book. My CEO wrote it and he's the best and uh, kind of all of that type of thing, which again is a bit of an ego play, but it doesn't necessarily build the relationship with the individual. If there was an opportunity where instead of having your name on the front, you put the team member's name on the front, then that adds that extra layer of credibility and when we think about the purpose of the books that we're creating it's to build the business it's not to build our personal brand at least not in this context not that there's anything wrong with that but we're just not talking about in this context if there's an opportunity to amplify and leverage the effectiveness of the team then from a company perspective that's going to be more beneficial than just trying to keep all of the accolades for yourself and not allow the team to build that rapport build that authority with the customers right so i think it also when you think about teams that we deal with a lot of times um there's always a compliance issue you know and which is sort of a thorn in our side so you think okay it comes from from the the top level be it the business owner or what have you then you kind of save yourself the aggravation of dealing with that kind of thing because you know you are in line with company policy your name's on it and it gives it really is sort of the whole package it gives you that that credibility but you don't have to do all the work behind it plus you know it's uniform with 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 the you know aligns with with what the business is and right. you don't have to worry about any kind of issues you know that's, a, yeah, that's an easy can, way to get a book done you know? yeah exactly <laughs> and even if everyone was as lined up with compliance as 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 the owner so they were going into it with the best possible position just the duplication and the need to have to get it signed off four times all the time and overhead to create so think about the real estate example just because we started with that before Mm -hmm. and it's an easy one that people can everyone can imagine what that situation is so a real estate office even if the business owner could convince the 20 agents that they have in town that they should write a book because that's a great way to engage customers then what are those 20 books going to look like because person mm-hmm. one will write 
living in Winterhaven, the guide to buying and selling in in Winterhaven. So what does person number two do then? A, a yeah. book that's less effective, that has a less good title, that uh, doesn't include some of the same stuff, it's very much right. unnecessarily reinventing the wheel. Organizationally, if the organization writes the Living in Winterhaven book and then each agent, as they're working for the company, can put their name on the front of it so that when they go to a listing appointment or when they have buyers, when they're showing homes to buyers, they give them a copy of the book that's got their photo on their name on the front, we do this we've got a syndicated book because obviously we're not uh, we don't have a real estate brokerage so we're doing it externally rather than internally but we've got a syndicated book how to sell your book how to sell your book <laughs> how to sell your house right, for top right. dollar which is something that we use with the real estate agents that we work with but that serves this exact purpose it allows them to have something that they needed to put almost no effort into creating because we've done that work for them it allows them to have their name and their photo on the front of something that they can give to a customer and take some of that credibility, some of that kind of author kudos for having written something, but then also the super valuable information in there. So it's actually delivering value in and of itself. And all other elements being equal, if there are two listing appointments, then someone that also has the credibility and delivers the value in the extra step of the book is is again all things being equal going to be held in higher esteem than the person that didn't provide that so as the organization owner being able to write the first one but then put someone else's put the, the put the facing person's name and face on it just makes the organization more effective and it makes the boat go faster for the organization separate from the one individual holding on to it, feeling that they need to have their name o- over it because God forbid someone might not realize how much hard work and sweat equity they put into it, regardless of how effective that is. <laughs> Some of the ways just on that point to elaborate a little bit further or harp on a little bit further, uh, we've seen a couple of examples where people will only be willing to do it if it's co-branded, if it's got their name on it or someone else, or they only want to do it if the other person just writes a forward. So it's still their book, but the other person's allowed to write a forward, given the honor of writing a forward, just so that they can get their name on it as well. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's beholden on everyone, I think, to think about what the job of work of this is. And if it is lead generating to gain more business, then what is the most effective way to get that done is it that your face is plastered all over it or is it that mm. the the um the expectation or the the mental model around it is that that the customer is being given the book by the person whose name is on the front and building a more of a direct relationship rather than having just to anchor it back to someone else now as with everything um, there are a number of examples where that does make sense still well, I say that, there aren't that many examples where it makes sense, but there are one or two. So if, for example, the there is a brand building element that also makes sense. So having writing a book that is written by the business owner, but then is supported by the team and has 
a chapter written by the team member that adds in a dynamic that is specific to that person. So mm. 80% of the content is standard and it's the ideas of the individual, but the 20% is kind of topping and tailing it with the perspective of the salesperson, then that might be a way that works too. So if the content is very ideas driven, if it's something unique, if it's if there's a reason why the individual, the business owner individual in this example, is the authority and it does make sense that the main bulk of the content is that stuff. So if, for example, you invented a widget and the main topic of the book was talking about why you invented the widget and why why the widget is so special but your sales team are then out there selling widgets to different industries so having the salesperson write the uh, top and tail chapter that talks about in this book we share with you the story of how it came to pass the reason that it's very special for this industry or why this industry can really leverage it or why it's going to make a big difference to your business in this industry that model kind of makes sense because then you get the best of both worlds you've got yeah. the inventor writing the background to the thing but you've got the salesperson who's going to be doing the face work introducing the subject introducing the the inventor to the reader and then closing at the end with and and there you have it that's why this was important that's why it's why it can make a difference to your business and here's what you should do next so there are some examples where it does work but i think for the majority of people writing one version of living in Winterhaven and allowing each individual agent to put their name on the front of it is the most beneficial way of going for most people i agree i agree with that look <clears throat> excuse me less work but i think i think the idea that someone um when you're talking about syndication um, that's a great idea too. I think it it gives someone that sense of. I mean, I know most people, a lot of people are fine to say, "Yeah, I put my name on the book. It's good. You know, it's great. Whatever." But because um, sometimes people are lazy like that, you know, they just don't want to put the effort into it. But having the opportunity to put, you know, a chapter in there that gives someone a real sense of accomplishment and pride. I think you know even kind of elevates them. So that goes to that team building thing. You know, it really like just sort of elevates a person like, oh, this, I really did have a say in this. And um, so I, I I'm kind of all about that. I like that idea, you know, a little bit. So. And that's actually, I mean, that's another good point as well. The, the benefit of, of doing the majority of the work and making it as easy as possible is a great solution for organizations or people where they either don't have budget or time or interest in doing something mm -hmm. else it's that entry level minimum effective dose type book of here's a way of getting something out there but i completely agree with you if someone if the context is right and someone can personalize it even more then it a makes it more personal obviously but it also gives them more ownership as you were saying and it allows yeah. their voice to come through a little bit more so definitely as the second tier allow people to have a little bit more ownership of it and right. as long as it's serving the purpose that it's designed for as long as they're not then trying to manipulate it and switch it into an, an ego play on their own yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> um, right which probably is less there's less opportunity for that because there's fewer words that if they want to go down that route, then they can write their own book. So there's not too much opportunity for right, it. But, right. um, but yeah, with the right intent, it definitely gives more ownership and buying buy in and um, 
and skin in the game for adding their own stuff to it. For sure, yeah. So interesting. I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about, um, as we always do, what we're going to talk about today and thought this might be a quick idea. But as you start peeling back the layers of the onion and start thinking about the individual Mm -hmm. use cases, I think a great way of thinking about it as an exercise, as as you're listening and wondering if this is right for you, is thinking... Take the book out of the context. Take the book out of the conversation, and just think about it as a physical conversation. So, if the three people were in Starbucks, there was you as the business owner, the potential client, and the the salesperson. All three of you are in Starbucks. What would that conversation look like? Not in the specifics mm-hmm. of the words, but in the dynamic of the conversation. Does it make sense that you do all of the introduction? Uh, introducing? Do you do all of the introducing to the to the individual salespeople? Does it make sense that the salespeople have got the relationship, but they want to introduce you? Does it make sense that you're there, but actually just stay the hell out of the way and let them get on with it? So, not so much the details of the conversation, but just the the connection and how the relationship builds. What's the most likely to have a successful outcome? and get that potential client to become an existing client those blocks those moving parts those kind of personas or personalities how they connect together in the most logical way thinking about it in a physical sense in a coffee shop is a very easy way to think about Mm -hmm. okay if i could jot out how that would work now i overlay a book on it to do some of the job because a book can work when you're not physically there what should look should that book look like because it's so easy to get carried away in the technicalities or the the process of the book itself that you can disconnect or forget about what you're actually trying to achieve and what you're trying to achieve is that same relationship that same dynamic that same outcome but just with different moving parts with different elements in a, in a different mm-hmm. context but i think that's really a useful way of of validating should you be involved should it be all about you or should it be about someone or something else Um, yeah i agree with that and i think that's an easy way to to think about that i think your example was great to you know because i think people try to you know try to go through it like oh should i do this and how should i do this and what should i do this and should i include this person and how much is too much and you know um is it about me or is it about the company is it you know and I think I'm going to try and remember that example. I just, um, if only this was being recorded, <laughs> I'm going to try and remember this example in the future because so often I think there is this issue of getting caught up in the what, what rather than the why. So, like needing to get from A to B, if you think about why you need to get to A to B and what the what the outcome is and the constraints, so. Um, do you need to be there by a particular time? Why are you going there? Which kind of influences what you're wearing and how much time you leave yourself and how important it is and whether it matters whether you're late. All of that is easy to conceptualize, but often it gets forgotten about if you're thinking about actually driving there. So when you're a very new driver, then the actual mechanics of it kind of overtake the outcome or the purpose because you've got so much mental energy into, okay, well, how do I drive from there to there and what's going on with this other traffic and all of these other elements because it hasn't yet gone into your subconscious mind. Learning to drive in the UK, it's 90, well, when I was 
Lynch Drive, 99% of it was stick shift and automatics were, oh, yeah. were few and far between. So when you add in the extra dynamic there of changing gear and dealing with the clutch and all of those elements, then it's that takes up so much thinking that the purpose and the other stuff kind of becomes secondary until you get to the point where it's second nature. And then you can think much more about the purpose and, and all of the other elements become more important. Yeah. So the same with this in this slightly convoluted example. Um, <laughs> the same with this. It's so easy to get caught up in the mechanics of writing the book and some of the specifics, even with the some of the elements of the scorecard, the book blueprint scorecard, some of those are detailed, although we try and keep them to strategy rather than technique it, you can still get caught in the weeds a little bit so any opportunity that you've got to take the take the individual um, the specifics of what you're trying to do take those out and put it back into a context that you're very familiar with so that you can just concentrate on the why it makes it easier so forget about the book as a mechanism what you're trying to do is engage people in a conversation that's beneficial to the business the book mechanism is complicated to think about because there's some moving parts. The Starbucks example is easy to think about because you've done it a million times. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're into the subconscious stage of the mechanics and can focus on the purpose. So super useful in a number of scenarios to, to kind of switch the context so that you're just thinking about the, the why in a familiar circumstance. And then once you've decided on the why and you've got that straight in your mind, then overlay the the how or the what, the specifics. It's um yeah, very useful way of thinking about it in the right. uh, in a different way. That's good. That's good stuff there. There we go. So yeah. I can feel my voice starting to go. If mm -hmm. it hasn't already. Um we had a little bit of a technical glitch in the middle which i'm going to edit out in post so hopefully if i hadn't <laughs> said that no one would have known uh but if you do hear anything of a little bit uh disconnected in the middle then that's why but uh hopefully we didn't lose anything important exactly that's the hope something you said real fast i just thought was really great and i'm going to remember it i wrote it down um the book works when you are not physically there like that is like such a great statement. Right. Like, you know, it really is to think about it. You know, you've given that book to someone and they can, you know, it's, it's, they're looking at it, reading it, and you don't have to be physically present for that. I'm going to remember that. I wrote it down. So I'm going to. And you know what? That. To go, to try and dive into that just a little bit deeper, while I've got a few more minutes <laughs> in my voice, um, to go into that a little bit deeper, it's so often people think about, uh, ad campaigns as ways of identifying customers when you're not there or emails as ways of delivering a customer when uh, delivering a message when you're not there the book it's very easy to think about it in just one of those contexts and one of those contexts is important so it's, it's a way of getting people to raise their hand when you're not there that's true but it's also a way of doing all of these other things and again a lot of those things we talked about in the book blueprint scorecard when you look at the higher mindsets or the higher levels of each mindset across those eight stages then the highest mindset of each of them is really looking to make sure that your book can do all of those jobs when you're not there so it's not just that it's raising hands but it's also 
setting the scene for the story and guiding people towards an outcome at the back and giving people a very easy next step that they can take all without you being there so it gets them to raise their hand it gets them to think about what the problem is and presents them with a solution that they may or may not have been aware of previously it evidences how easy it is to take the next step and presents a very simple to get started next step so that it just moves the conversation one step further down but you, I'm glad that you picked up on that because it is worth thinking about and it definitely ties back into the scorecard of uh, all the book can serve all of those, not all of those purposes, but it has, there's a journey to the book itself. It's not just one step. It's definitely, because we do talk about it as one step quite a lot. We talk about these things as profit activity, number two elements of getting people to raise their hand and then you can start the journey. But it definitely does some of that additional work in the thing itself not exclusively and not completely it's not just have it and then suddenly customers will pop out of the back there is more to it than that in the beyond the book stages particularly but yeah it definitely does um it definitely serves that purpose well if you think of each of those eight steps yeah right yeah yeah okay perfect okay well thank you for everyone listening thank you for your time as always betsy and we will catch everyone in the next one take care